Brother Aviar, come preach the word of the Lord one more time, everybody. Clap your hands. Shout unto God. Give God the highest praise. Let's help the preacher preach. Anybody glad you've been loose? Anybody glad you've been set free? I said, anybody glad you've been set free? Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, we can do better than that. Everybody, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, Lord bless you tonight. Certainly is good to be at Heritage, Colorado Springs. And I am so deeply appreciative of what God has been doing in our midst. What a wonderful atmosphere that this is. What a wonderful atmosphere that this is. Thank you, Brother Johnson for the invitation to come and uh, for whoever else was involved in the vision of this meeting heritage truly is an honor and a great privilege to be here and be able to minister to you tonight and I am so thankful for what we have already received for the word of God that we have heard from last night Brother Garrett preaching to us, challenging us. And then again this morning at the breakfast, I'd just like to grow up someday and be just like Brother Garrett. I appreciate his love for the truth, for the message, his passion, his zeal for the things of God. I think that's characteristic of all the men that are here tonight, all these good pastors and those that are involved in this meeting, the other men that are preaching, what what a privilege it is to be associated with them. I don't know what in the world I've done right in my life to earn a spot alongside this caliber of men. But whatever it was, I thank God for it. I just think it's His mercy. It's nothing that I've done. Amen. But Brother Filmer this morning touched my heart so deeply. I mean, he really did. And I shall never forget what he said this morning. Amen. That God not only is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, but he is the reward. Made me want to seek God all over again just for God. Not for what God can give me, what he can do for me, but I just, I just want to seek him all over again. Just to feel him one more time. Amen. And Brother brother Pixler, anybody who was here today shall never forget that message we heard this morning. My Lord, when I thought he had loaded us down about as loaded as we could get, he just kept piling it on, and it was all good. And I'm so happy that my wife and my three sons are here to enjoy what's happening here at Heritage this year. What a beautiful congregation of people. 
What a beautiful assembly of young folks. Amen. What an awesome responsibility we have. And uh, I, I wish that I could uh, share some humorous anecdotes with you tonight and some little quotable quotes and some little quips. But I feel heavy in my heart tonight. And I feel a tremendous burden on my soul as I stand before this awesome assembly to say something that will make a difference in somebody's life. That's all I've asked for. I've asked God to just help me make a difference. I don't care if I impress you with my preaching tonight. I don't care if I receive your accolades and praises. That's not what we're up here for. I was accused one time of preaching for applause. That's not why I'm here. You never say amen one time in this message tonight. I just feel like I need to unburden my soul. Hallelujah. Do you want God to speak to us one more time? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Looking forward so much to what we're going to hear again tomorrow. Good to see our good friend, Brother Gary Howard, come in and have been blessed many times by his ministry, anticipating what he has to say. Brother Garrett again, it's good to see my good friend, Brother Purdue, come in. Amen. And uh, appreciate and love him so much. If you'll turn with me tonight, in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Book of Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, read beginning with verse number 14, a very familiar verse of Scripture. Amen. Let me commend this local assembly, uh, first of all, for this beautiful, beautiful edifice that uh, you have built for the glory of God. Amen. Such a tribute to what is going on here. Something like this just doesn't spring out of the ground. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort. Amen. A lot of a lot of men aspire to see something like not just the building, but the quality and the and the people that are here. You don't see this just by chance. It takes a lot of work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and prayers, and preaching. I know this local assembly is happy for what God has helped you been able to do. And thank you also for hosting this meeting. Amen. God bless you richly. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men. Well, that's a mouthful, isn't it? I better leave that one alone tonight. And holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for you know how, that afterward, everybody say afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Very familiar setting, 
I want to talk to you tonight on this subject. Forfeiting future fortunes for fickle feelings. And I'm not just trying to be cute in that title. That's really what I want to talk to you about tonight. Forfeiting future fortunes for fickle feelings. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, and ask God to help us one more time. Lord Jesus, we love you tonight. We thank you for what we feel. We thank you for what we've enjoyed. We thank you for your word we've already heard and received. I am nothing. I need you. Would you somehow use this flawed instrument, this vessel of clay, to convey your will, your purpose tonight in this service? God, if you'll just help us, we'll give you the thanks and the glory. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. Give us a will to obey in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. We are all very familiar with the story of Esau and Jacob. And the Bible is full of stories with contrasting characters. In fact, I think one of the most... Uh, uh, interesting things about the Bible is the character studies that you find here and uh, this one stands out among the rest because it not only depicts two opposite type of individuals but ironically they were twins sons of the same set of parents Amen. the Bible even tells us that when Rebecca was uh, expecting them that she felt them struggling within her and uh, she was told by the Lord that there were two nations inside of her and two manner of people also was told that one would be stronger than the other and that the elder would serve the younger these were strange words spoken about uh, two babies that had not even been born but already within the womb they were manifesting their nature and their character not only did they struggle in the womb but they were rivals from the womb Amen. Esau was born the Bible said with Jacob's hand wrapped around his heel as such I believe that this was a type of the first man, Adam, and the second Adam, who was Jesus Christ, among other things. Also a type of the natural birth and the second birth, which is superior, which is the second birth of the, the new birth of the Spirit. Amen. Esau is characterized as a man of the field, and as such we could say that he is a man of the world. Jacob, however, was characterized as being a plain man and that he dwelled in tents. Thus, he was also a sojourner by nature, as were all tent dwellers. Uh, he was truly a grandson of his grandfather Abraham, the first true Hebrew. And Hebrew means stranger or sojourner and pilgrim. And this was in Jacob's nature. He was a dweller of tents. Amen. And so these two men symbolize the carnal man 
the man of the world and the spiritual man who knows that this world is not his home. Every true child of God is a tent dweller. Amen. I hope that we don't get too adjusted to this world. This world is not my home. I'm just a traveling through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We are to be true sons and children of Abraham by faith. We must have, amen, the same focus and the same purpose that he had. And the Bible said that he sought a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Amen. I, let me just say it. I've traveled many places, at least in northern and, and central and South America, but I've not seen yet any place that I would like to spend eternity in. Amen. We have traveled quite a few miles on this trip. This is day number 18 of a 23-day trip that my family and I are on, and we have visited some impressive places and seen some gorgeous scenery. Amen. But I'll just tell you tonight without hesitation, amen, I'm looking for some place a little bit better than this. Colorado Springs is beautiful. Pikes Peak is impressive. Amen. But I'm headed for a higher destination. How about you tonight? Praise the Lord. But we read here tonight a reference to uh, a very, very tragic event in the story of Esau and Jacob. Esau, being the firstborn, had a birthright that, was, that he was entitled to by birth. And yet it appears that this was something that he never really valued and he never really appreciated. This is why the Bible calls him here in our text a profane man. It wasn't that he was necessarily obscene or indecent, but the word profane, we heard Brother Garrett speak of it this morning, amen, simply means not to appreciate its value or to count it commonplace. It also means to be accessible as by crossing a threshold. He had something precious and he had something valuable, and yet he did not have enough in him to preserve and protect what he had. Amen. This inheritance that he had was not only a double portion that would be afforded him at the death of his father Isaac, but more importantly than that, amen, along with the birthright was the covenant that had been given to Abraham and his father Isaac. The Bible could read numerous places the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Amen. But it never reads that ever again because this man who had that birthright, amen, treasured it so little. And yet what he did not value, Jacob, his twin brother, had coveted a long, long time. Let me just say that had this been a contest of brute strength, that Esau would have won it hands down. I've always been amazed and wondered why in the world 
This man Esau, who we get a picture of being a man's man, a man of the woods, a Danny Perdue, if you will, amen, a man who was not intimidated by the woods and wild things, amen, who could exist for long periods of time out there in the wilderness. When he came in this day hungry, wanting something to eat, and Jacob wanted to bargain with him, amen, and not about something trivial, but about his birthright. Why in the world that Esau did not say, come here, you mama's boy, and whip him within an inch of his life and take all the pottage that he wanted. Amen. Jacob was a mama's boy. He majored in home economics. He hung around mama's apron strings. Esau could have handled him without any problem. Amen. And yet Jacob, who in this story, amen, represents the tempter, caught him at an unguarded moment. Esau said that he was faint. The word faint here, amen, not only means that he was weakened, but in his weakened condition, his judgment was impaired. His vision was blurred. Amen. And his steps were uncertain. And his balance was difficult. Amen. And this was due to a lack of nourishment. And he felt that he was about to die. And it made him vulnerable to compromise that which he should have treasured with everything that was in him. I hope you'll bear with me for a while here tonight. But what I want to impress on you this evening is simply this. That what Esau succumbed to was a temporary condition. It was not something that was overpowering. It was not something overwhelming. It was not something he could not handle. It was not something that on an ordinary day he couldn't have taken care of with ease. Amen. But he caught him in a temporary vulnerable condition and caused him to exaggerate the intensity of the moment. His words were, I am at the point to die. I don't believe that any more than I believe the moon is made out of cheese. I do not believe that this man's man, amen, who made a living of hunting wild game was so far gone that if he missed another meal that he would just fall over dead. But hunger clouded his judgment and yet he should have realized, amen, that he would not always be that hungry and that he would not always be that faint and he wouldn't always be that feeble and he wouldn't always be that desperate in just a short time he would feel himself again in just a short time he would be all better again in just a short time he would be just as strong as he ever was again as he ever was before amen how in the world could he have yielded to something so temporary and so passing and so transient didn't he realize that after he ate the bowl of pottage that given just another few hours he would be hungry again how long would it take four hours 
six hours, eight hours, and his hunger would be calling to him again. This is a repetitive condition. This is a cycle that happens over and over again. I'm preaching in front of young men who have a voracious appetite. I marvel at how much they can eat, brother. They can put a whole lot down, and in just two or three hours, they're foraging around for food again. How could a man of this of this caliber, of this brute strength, think that if it did not have this meal this time right here in this place, that he would die. Let me tell you tonight that life is a succession of cycles. Amen. It goes from day to night. Amen. You go from hunger to satisfaction. There are times of joy and then there are times of sadness. There are times of good and there are times of bad. And what I want to impress on you tonight is that none of these are permanent. Amen. Day doesn't last forever. And night doesn't last forever. And hunger isn't always. And satisfaction isn't always. And joy is fleeting. But sadness isn't continuous either. These are just cycles that you're going to go through. These are just feelings and surges and emotion. These are just things that are going to come and go. Do not make decisions based on fleeting emotions. I told you I'm just going to preach what I feel tonight. This isn't what I really wanted to preach, but it's what I feel the Holy Ghost has laid on my heart. Amen. So Esau forfeited the birthright for a fickle feeling. And the Bible here says in our text that afterward when he would have inherited the blessing he was rejected he did not figure in the afterward he didn't think forward to a time when he would not be as hungry as he was right then he did not anticipate the day when the birthright would mean more to him than it did at that moment but that day did come when he realized its worth that day did come when he wanted it worse than anything in the world but it was too late it had already been sacrificed on the altar of a fickle feeling let me tell you that's the way a lot of folks in the world are today I thought about the hippies of the 60s and the 70s they angrily protested against the establishment amen they were against everything and everybody it didn't matter what it was amen if the rest of the world was for it they were against it amen now then time has passed they've grown older amen their hair has turned gray they've got that middle age spread they've got wrinkles and sags and now they are a part of the very establishment that they were against amen one of them even became the president of the United States sad to say amen but they did not consider at that time that they would not always be as angry as they were then that they would not always feel as antisocial that they would not always be as rebellious and always be as nonconformist eventually they would want to blend in themselves to the very establishment that they were fighting against. Unfortunately, 
by then many of them would have already ruined their potential unfortunately many of them would already be felons they would have arrest records they would have destroyed their credibility they would have ruined their minds on drugs amen they would have ruined amen their their whole life structure with the type of lifestyle that they had embraced at that time now then they would like to put the pieces back together now then they would like to find normalcy now then they'd like to grow old with somebody now then they'd like to have kids and grandkids around their feet but what they had despised at one time is now beyond their reach because they did not calculate they would not always feel that way the same is true of our present society there are millions amen of teenage pregnancies that are the result of the passion of the moment and the heat of the night because they didn't calculate that amen when their heart was racing uh, 200 miles an hour amen and they felt like uh, it, it would be okay to throw caution to the wind amen that in just a few hours and maybe by the next day they would wake up and hate themselves and not be able to look at themselves in the eye in the mirror that there would be shame and reproach and self-condemnation in their heart and then there would come that dreadful day when they would realize that there was a consequence to their actions they didn't think about that but oh they resorted then to the second fallback position which is abortion oh how easy it is just to go ahead and take an unborn life our society has approved it the supreme court endorsed it and so might as well do but what they never tell you amen is the self-recrimination and the guilt and the reproach that they feel the rest of their life let me tell you something it just isn't worth it i said it just isn't worth it and if they choose to go ahead and have those babies then they've got to put their goals aside and their dreams have been sacrificed and the careers they once aspired to are no longer attainable they got to settle down and take a job and raise a child that they never really planned on and never really wanted and that child grows up in a dysfunctional environment amen and one day they wake up and wonder how in the world did I get here they didn't think about that while that feeling was surging they didn't think about that while that emotion was raging amen but later on when they want to recapture that simplicity and recapture the innocence it's gone well 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 let me just stop here a moment and say that's why you better listen to your pastor keep your hands off of each other stay out of those dark corners and back seats of cars amen well let me just get on a tangent here for just a moment I've been to conferences you hear me conferences amen when young folks are running up and down the hallways of the motels in their underwear shouting and running the aisles and crawling in the back seats of cars after church and committing fornication 
But I'm going to believe that kind of thing does not happen at Heritage. And anyway, before you start pawing around on that young lady, hey man, you've got to realize she may not become your wife. And before, young lady, you start kissing on that boy, remember this. He may not become your husband. He might end up married to somebody else across the church. And every time you look over there, you've got to think about those memories. Why don't you just keep it clean? Why don't you just keep it honest? Why don't you just love God with all of your heart and do it right like we heard preached today? Well, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. How many suicides are committed today? You may be seated because young, a young person thinks there is no life beyond that heartbreak. Amen. How many runaways and criminals amen, ran, escaped home and escaped a structured environment because of some temporary discomfort or a, a restriction that they didn't want? They didn't stop to consider that such passions and emotions are usually fleeting. They do not last always. It's just like the fury of a thunderstorm. And I come where thunder, from where thunderstorms are born, on the Gulf Coast. Amen, that's the nursery for thunderstorms. You hadn't seen a thunderstorm till you've been to Louisiana. Amen. I was in a place the other day and there was some thunder and somebody came on the public address system. Be careful going to your automobiles because of the thunderstorm. Amen. And I found that as amusing as you would be if somebody gave warning about a snowfall. Amen. In fact, I've gotten to where I like a good thunder. I like, I like a thunder to just boom and rattle the house. It makes the young kids, uh, amen, run for mama and mamas to dive under the bed. But I, I like to hear it. But when a good old Louisiana thunderstorm is raging, brother, it seems like that's the way it's always going to be. The sky is so dark and the wind is blowing and the rain is falling and the thunder and lightning seems like it has no end. But you know what? In just a matter of minutes or maybe hours, it's gone and the sky is clear again. That's the way emotions are. Sometimes it can be like thunderstorms. Sometimes it can seem like there is no life beyond that. But I'm here to tell you that if you'll just sit tight long enough, and just wait a few hours and wait a few days. Those feelings will pass. Those emotions will be behind you. The sky will clear. You'll be able to think objectively again. Reason will return to you. It's not just young folks that mess up their lives like this. It can happen to adults too. Amen. A lot of adults do impulsive things, maybe because of the monotony and boredom of life. Life is settled into a routine, and suddenly they feel like they're going nowhere, and pressures and responsibilities are, are pushing down on them. And maybe you reach that infamous middle-age crisis, 
and, and, and all of a sudden they try to uh, recover and regrasp uh, something that maybe they feel they missed out on along in life. And so they head for the divorce cart and trade their partner in for somebody else. Others meet somebody on the Internet and run off with them, do some goofy, crazy thing. Children are abandoned, homes are broken, families are scattered, only to wake up a few months or years later and realize, amen, how good life really was. I may not be preaching to everybody here tonight, but I'm going to unburden my soul this evening. But my concern is not just society. My concern is people just like you sitting in our churches. I'm concerned about young folks like this beautiful group that's sitting in front of me here tonight. I'm concerned about young folks that have unlimited potential. I'm concerned about young folks that can be anything that God wants them to be. Amen. I am overwhelmed by the staggering potential that is in front of me here tonight. And if we could just begin to imagine what God really has in store for this group of young men and this group of young ladies. And I've been so impressed with your response to the Spirit of God. And I've been so touched by your response to the preaching of the Word of God. And it almost makes me feel, amen, like what I'm preaching tonight is totally unnecessary. And maybe I'm talking to folks that don't need to hear a word of what I'm saying. But you see, I'm not talking to you about right now. I'm not talking to you about while you're here at Heritage, surrounded by other young people that want to live for God. I'm talking to you about when you get away from here. I'm talking to you about when you're off there by yourself, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're in the midst of that unbelieving family, or when things start happening inside of you, or when crazy thoughts start entering into your head. Amen. It's unbelievable what God can do. Amen. In our lives if we'll just let Him. Not just as salvation. That's amazing enough. Amen. But do you realize, amen, what God has prepared for us? We heard it read tonight. Amen. In eternity and in the place that He has prepared for us. But not just then. I'm talking about right now. Amen. I'm looking at young men that have the potential to build churches that today do not exist. I'm looking at young ladies that have the potential to win souls that right now are wandering around in sin. I'm looking at young people that can form family units that can be a dynamic force Amen. in the apostolic movement. I'm looking at young folks that could become missionaries, evangelists, pastors, or, or just good help in the church and accomplish things in the kingdom of God that up to right now might be unheard of. Come on, don't look at me like that. I really believe it. I'm talking about these young folks right here. I'm talking about these teenagers. I'm talking about these that are still just reaching, amen, puberty and, and young adulthood. I'm talking about your sons and your daughters. Amen. Every one of them is a child of God. If they've repented of their sins, been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, and you can't even begin to imagine the plan that God has for your life. 
possess the same opportunities of a David, the same opportunities of a Daniel, the same opportunities of a Joseph, an Esther, a Ruth, and on and on we could name the great figures of the pages of Scripture. But not only that, but also the more recent heroes of the apostolic movement, great men, great women of God that have accomplished great things for the kingdom of God. Some of them are sitting on this platform behind me. Yes, amen, you can be like them if you'll keep yourself where you need to be, if you'll stay in the house that we heard about today, if you'll stay in the will of God, in the plan of God, if you'll value and you'll treasure what God has put into your hands. Amen, don't you wish you could be in a prayer meeting always? Don't you wish you could be running the aisles always? Don't you wish you could be in this kind of atmosphere 24 hours a day? Don't you wish that you could be shouting all the time? Amen. But that's not real life. Amen. Sooner or later, you've got to leave this place and go back out there and face the pressures and face the temptations. And the tempter is going to come along with a bargain, with an offer, with an opportunity. Amen. And oh no, not while you're on cloud nine. Amen. But while you're vulnerable, while you're weak, while you're faint, while you're down, that's when he'll sneak up on your blind side. And you're going to start thinking goofy thoughts like maybe I'll just backslide for a little while. Maybe I'll leave the church just for a few weeks and months. Amen. Just till the pressure passes. Just till I don't feel this way anymore. No, let me tell you something. You need to just sit tight. That's just one of the cycles. That's all. That's a passing emotion. That's a fickle feeling. It will not last always. I'm concerned about the turbulence of youth. Youth is a very, very difficult and challenging time for anybody. I know I've been there. And for some, it's a time of acne and braces and clumsiness and awkwardness. Voices changing for a young man right when, when you want to be impressive. Suddenly your voice goes airborne. You're trying to be Marshall. And it just doesn't come out right. It's a time of hormonal changes. It's a time of an emotional roller coaster. Or you can go, bed, go to bed feeling perfectly fine and get up mad at the world or sad and depressed and you don't even know why. Some of us grown-ups can do that too. Amen. Oh yeah, it's a time of drastic mood swings. You can feel giddy and happy one moment and within 30 minutes for no explainable reason just be down in the dumps 
Oh, yeah. You might as well nod your head because you know it's true. Amen. Fickle feelings. It's a time when your likes and dislikes can change on a weekly basis. Sometimes on a daily basis. It's a time when your love interest today can be your object of hate tomorrow. On that note, I read that sociologists, psychologists, if they know anything, have determined that a young lady will undergo a complete total personality change from the ages of 16 to 20. That's a dangerous time to get married. You better wait till they is who they're going to be. Because if you think you're in such a hurry, you might wake up one morning and realize that she's not at all the person you thought you were marrying. And while I'm on that note, I might just add, and your pastor can tell you a lot better than I can, you're going to marry anybody with thoughts of changing them. You can just scrap that little idea right now. Those three or four little things that irritate you about her or him right now that you think are tolerable and you'll change later on, they are going to become huge mountains. Later on. Got some parents even agreeing with me right now. Got some married folks nodding their head right now. We, we're making progress this evening. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh yeah. You're not going to change them. You're not going to change them. Oh, you're looking at me with that classic disbelief. But my situation is different. Yeah, you're the very one I'm talking to right now. He loves me so much, he'll change for me. Oh, no, he won't. And oh, no, she won't. If you don't like them and love them exactly the way they are, don't even think about it. And I'm going to tell you, young men, a little secret here. When you raise the veil and kiss the bride on wedding day, the veil goes up on a lot of things. I'm losing this congregation tonight. This is going downhill in a hurry. Praise the Lord. Amen. But young folks are torn between the dependency of childhood and the independence of young adulthood. They want to feel like they can spread their own wings, but they want to somehow stay tethered a little bit. They want to feel loved by their parents, but they just don't want their parents to show that affection in public. It's a turbulent time being a young person. Hallelujah. And uh, they subconsciously are reassured. I know this is going to be hard to believe. But subconsciously they are reassured by restrictions. 
while at the same time loudly complaining about them to anybody that will listen. Mom and dad don't think you're doing your child a favor by loosening the restraints. You don't love your child by letting them get away with things. You don't love your child by letting them go against what the pastor preaches. You don't love your child by saying, well, I know what pastor says, but I'll tell you what, I'm your mom, I'm your dad. I love you more than he does, and so I'm going to let you do it. That's the biggest mistake you can ever make in raising that child. Because I'm going to tell you, mom and dad, if you're here tonight, that child does not really belong to you. You may have brought them into the world, but that soul belongs to God. They are going to live in eternity somewhere. Your word is not the final word. Ooh, I just lost some of you right there, but it's so anyhow. If the pastor says no, the best thing you can do is say, hey, don't come crying to me. He said, no, it's no here. And if you get called down at church, you're going to get a whipping when you get home. Ooh, I've strayed away from my notes now. I better get back on track. But I just thought I'd throw that in for good measure. Someday they're going to grow up and they're going to start doing goofy things. And you're going to come bringing them to the pastor, trying to get him to fix their life. And they do not have the respect for that preacher that they ought to have because you took it away. And I think about the young lady who's a backslider from my church, amen, who told me after she had been out in the world for a while, she said, Brother Alvia, I know I'm wrong. I'm not living right. Amen. I'm doing everything wrong. Amen. But my parents, who are giving me down the road right now, amen, I sat day after day and heard them run you down at the dinner table. And she said, I'm the one that's a backslider and doing wrong, but they're getting by scot-free. The best gift you can give your child is to stand behind your pastor. I don't think a young man or a young lady in an apostolic household should ever hear the words, are we going to church tonight? I don't think they should ever get by with speaking those words. Mom and dad ought to be able to say, is there church tonight? Yeah, huh? Amen, but do we have to? If there's church tonight, we're going to be there. And so are you. You know what? If you'll get in church and live for God with all of your heart, they just might enjoy it when they come to church too. If you quit sitting there like a lump on a log and get behind what's going on, they just might get with it too. And I know I don't need to see, say that because judging by what I see around me, I mean, we got folks that enjoy living for God, enjoy coming to church. 
But I do wonder why a lot of the young folks are on their feet and a lot of the rest of you are sitting down tonight. Amen. They need to see you saying, Amen. That's right. I don't think it's just the young folks' job to worship. I think it's mom and dad's job to worship too. One question I've always wondered from the world is, when, at what point in your life does it become okay to smoke? At what point, what is the day of your life that all of a sudden it's okay to cuss? Amen. Parents in the world who tell their kids they can't do it because they're young, amen, all of a sudden they can, what is the day, amen, that all of a sudden it goes from being wrong to right? Well, let me flip that coin. Amen. What age is it, amen, that you reach that you are not obligated to worship God? How long do you have to be in church before you're entitled to sit there like a statue? How long do you have to be in church before you can act like you don't enjoy this anymore? I'm sorry, but I just believe it's, it ought to get better and better every day. The more I know about him, the more I understand about him, the more I love him, the more I want to worship him. I'm on my way to heaven, and my journey is getting sweeter every day. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. to the Lord, shall we? Ask Him to help us tonight. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 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 Oh, you can be seated. Amen. I happen to believe that young folks, they know when they're loved, they know when they're cared for, and they will not, they will not resent the restrictions that are imposed on them when they are right and when they are reasonable, when they are sound. I don't resent them. Like my cousin said the other night, and if my my uh, mom and dad uh, had been raising me today, they'd go to prison for child abuse. My mother never read any of Dr. Spock's books. Brother, when she said, you're going to get it if you do that one more time, 
There was not any question about that. She meant it. I tested her a few times. I found out that she meant it. She never said it, but what she didn't follow through. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, I'm not through raising my children yet. And they're here tonight. And I don't know what they're going to be. I hope they live for God. I, I thank God that at this point, they have a love for the things of God. And I'm appreciative. And I've said this when they weren't there. So I guess I'll say it when they are. And I'm proud of the fact that almost every night when I get through preaching, they are some of the first ones on the platform to greet me and to thank me for the message that I just preached. And I hope that that love for God always stays in their heart. Young folks do not resent restrictions if they're right. Well, maybe some do. It's a pretty weak response here, but, but uh, how about it? How about it? How about it? Some of you are pastors are here. Do you resent what he preaches? Do you resent the standards of your church? Aren't you glad you've got somebody that cares for you? looks out for you, keeps things clean, deals with things when he's got to, gets on your case, stomps on your toes, calls you on the carpet. Aren't you glad you've got a clean atmosphere to worship God in? Aren't you glad that the pews in your church aren't filled with homosexuals and lesbians and fornicators? Aren't you glad that the moment he sees the wolf coming in the door, he raises a, a raises some sand and causes a stink? Thank God for a pastor that right in the middle of a raging red hot worship service will come storm into the pulpit and says, Stop everything. Oh, I believe these men are like that. Yeah, you wouldn't have what you see here tonight if they weren't like that. Thank God for it. Take your hands off the pulpit. Let them preach. Let them preach. Let them preach. Let them preach. This is what that will produce. Amen. You can be seated. Let me try to get back to my message tonight. In short, let me just say this that being a young person in that, that uh, age group there between childhood and, and full adulthood, it's a, it's a dangerous time. It's a dangerous time for decisions. And if you're not careful, you will make impulsive, drastic decisions that will alter the whole course of your life for the rest of your life. Tonight, there might be those here that feel like nobody understands you. Your parents don't understand you. Your pastor doesn't understand you. But I'm going to tell you, that is a fickle, 
feeling. That is a passing emotion. It will not last forever. Right now, it seems like it will. But it will not last forever. If there has ever been a time for caution, this is the time that you must be cautious. I'm going to tell you tonight, don't ever do anything when you're hungry. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being hungry for God. You've got to have that kind of hunger. But Esau was faint when he was hungry. And he felt like he was about to die. Now I wish that we could say that every young man and every young lady in here is the hallmark of spirituality all the time. But I know that's not so. I know that your life has has high tides and low tides. And there are probably times when you're not praying like you ought to pray. You're not reading your Bible the way you should. You're not being on time for the prayer room like you ought to. You know what's happening? You're growing feeble. You're growing faint. And you are hungry. When you get hungry, appetites and desires and passions are going to become awakened. You're going to start craving things, desiring things that weren't on your mind when you were on the fire for God. They weren't on your mind while you were red hot, full of the Holy Ghost. But now that you're hungry, you start getting faint and your gait becomes unsteady and your judgment becomes impaired and your vision becomes blurred and you can even start confusing your friends with your enemies. You can even get to where you start looking at folks in the church like your opponents and your adversaries while those people you work with understand you better. I'm here to tell you tonight, you won't always be as confused as you might be tonight. And you won't always be as lonely as you feel like you are right now. There might be somebody here, amen, that you feel like life is passing you by. Everybody else in your age group is getting married. And you don't even have anybody on the line. How many times have I seen, and these men have seen, good young folks live for God, live the life for years, and then because they feel like they're never going to find their soulmate in the church, they begin to compromise their principles. And they start thinking, well, I'll marry them, then I'll win them to the truth. I'm just going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost here tonight. I'm just preaching what I feel in my heart. Judging from the services we had last night and today, I felt like this was so out of whack. But I feel like I'm preaching to somebody right now. Oh, I know that young lady you met on the job. That man that you met on the job. 
They're talking to you. They're making good sense. It sounds almost like they understand you better than your pastor and anybody in your church and anybody in your family. And you know what? They might be as sincere as they can be, but they are coming. You are coming from two different worlds, two manners of people, two nations. They don't have your interests at heart. They don't have your same goals. They don't have your same ambitions. They don't have your same desires. They don't have your same pursuits. And as I've said many times before, and so have these, amen, there are worse things in life than being lonely. And that's compromising your principles and ending up with somebody who begins to fight and attack your faith every single day. And pardon my expression tonight, I'm not trying to be rude and crude and put you through a living hell. I'm going to tell you something, you'd be better off to stay single. You'd be better off to just fall in love with Jesus and dedicate yourself totally to the Lord. But I'm 25 years old, it doesn't matter. But I'm 30 years old, it doesn't matter. You're still in the best place you could ever be. You're still in the safest place you could ever be. You will not always be as frustrated as you might be tonight. And you will not always be as angry as you might be tonight. And you will not always be as desperate as you might be tonight or as passionate as you might be tonight. These are fleeting feelings. These are passing emotions. If you'll sit tight in a few days, you are going to feel differently. You will not always be as curious. You will not always be as intrigued with this world and captivated by the things of the world as you might be right now. Right now it might hold all kinds of allure and all kinds of enticement. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll just stay put, you're going to wake up someday and you're going to see it from a different perspective. You're going to come to church someday and you're going to hear a message like we heard this morning. And it's going to put it all in a different light. And you're going to be so glad that you are in the church. Don't wait till you wake up with makeup all over your face and your beautiful hair whacked off. Amen. And your virtue gone. And your integrity gone. Before you realize, I blew it. I don't feel that way anymore. You think every backslider out there is happy they're in the world? I submit to you, 90% of them are as miserable as the day is long. I submit to you, 90% of them would like to be right where you're at right now. I submit to you, 90% of them would like to be running these aisles again, leaping for joy, talking in tongues. They would like to have that clean and wholesome feeling again. They would like to be rubbing shoulders with the likes of you again. And if they could come in here, they would tell you they made a rotten decision based on a temporary feeling.
Can you give me just a few more minutes? Hear me, young man, you won't always be as reckless as you are right now. You won't always be the daredevil that you are right now. Guess what? There will even be a day when a hot rod won't appeal to you anymore. There'll be a day when you won't care about how many horses there are under the hood. Well, what kind of rims this got? You'll just be happy with a good minivan. That's right. Y'all are looking at me real disbelieving now, so we were with you all up, up until now, but there's going to be a day when, when you'll think twice before getting on a motorcycle, when you've got family and responsibilities and people depending on you. You're not always going to feel like you feel right now. You're not always going to be as impulsive as you are right now. And I'm begging you in Jesus' name, don't throw caution to the wind and make snap decisions that will affect your future and that will affect your eternity based on a fickle feeling. Amen. Right now there are those that they think, I'll just die if I can't have that. I will just, I would rather die than not marry them. I know the pastor said that really I should stay away from them, but if I can't have them, I don't want anybody. I remember a young lady telling me that one time. He's the man of my dreams. He's everything I ever looked for. It didn't matter that he had already had two failed marriages. That he was supposed to be in church, but he'd never gotten a decent haircut. That he was never involved in the things of God, but oh, he was handsome. So she married him. And a year later in the divorce court and there followed many years of sadness and the story has been played out over and over again I'm preaching to young men and the young ladies that were in these altars last night and today I'm preaching to young folks that scrambled up here last night to grab a hold of one of those crowns and I'm here to tell you there's a devil in this place while you've got that crown in your hand when you are at a low tide when you are in a weakened condition when you are faint is going to come with a tantalizing offer and you are going to think what good is being in church anyhow oh I feel the Holy Ghost in this place I want us to lift our hands and talk to him one more time.
Hallelujah. Let's stand. Let's stand right now. Let's talk to him, can we? Let's talk to him together. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's reach after the Lord for a little bit right now. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hear me in the Holy Ghost tonight for just a couple more minutes while you remain in a prayerful attitude. Right now those feelings can seem so overpowering and they can be so intense and they can seem so permanent, but they're not. There is an afterward. All Esau cared about that day was filling his belly. While he sat up under the shade tree that day. Cleaning up the bottom of that bowl of pottage. Belching real big. He couldn't understand why Jacob was out there dancing. Having a high old time. He didn't understand it then, but afterward, afterward, he understood it perfectly. Right now you might be hearing a lot of things preached, and while you're nodding your head to and saying amen to it, you may not fully comprehend it. You may not really understand the value of what you have right you don't even understand probably how privileged you are as apostolic young people to be in this kind of environment when I'm here to tell you that there are thousands of so-called Pentecostal young people that don't have a clue what this is about. You may not comprehend it now, but afterward, it's all going to come clear to you. There's going to be a day if it hasn't come already, when this right here will become the most valuable thing in your life. My prayer is that when you awaken to that fact, if you haven't already, that you will still be in the church. That's why you need to pay attention to what we heard today. Stay in the house. I don't buy this argument. Well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. So if I'm not really on fire for God, I might as well just go on out there and do everything. And then when I really get serious, I'll come on back. I submit to you, you're better off sitting in an apostolic pew cold in your heart. I went through it, brother. I was raised in church like a lot of you have grew up sleeping under church pews I grew up in a missionary's home we were in church almost every night somewhere we didn't own an automobile we rode buses and trains and taxis and we walked good distances on foot I grew up in little ramshackle church buildings we never knew what heating and air conditioning was. 
Many of them had dirt floors and rough, splintery wooden benches. It was uncomfortable. And it was cold. And my folks were in church almost every night. And on top of that, we had an all-night prayer meeting once a month. Every month. All night. And I got home late at night. Early in the morning. Had school. And everything that's associated. But I'm going to tell you, it takes a lot more than just growing up in this. Sooner or later, you've got to get the vision for yourself. And there came that day as a young person, a teenager, in the church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where Brother B.A. Spell is a pastor. My father had brought her family to the States for a few years so we could finish school while he continued traveling back and forth. And there I was. And a lot of my friends in the church were backsliding one by one. And then they'd come back, sit on the back pew, chew their gum, arms around the backs of the pews, looking cool, smiling and laughing while people were running the aisles and leaping for joy and dancing said this at the camp meeting the other day. Remember, I'd get angry when I would see ignorant young folks flock to those backsliders after church to hear their glowing tales and exploits. I tell you what, amen, there needs to be some righteous indignation in us. Hallelujah. Do you know what? After a while, after losing so many friends to the world, being at a vulnerable age myself, I started thinking, why not? My brother Pixler said today, I didn't intend to go the whole route. Just see a little bit what it was like. I started thinking those thoughts. And it was in conflict with everything I had ever believed all my life. And I'm going to tell you, there is no, no more miserable person in the world than somebody, amen, that doesn't have a made-up mind. A double-minded person. Can you stay with me just a few minutes? It got to where I was so, I was a nervous wreck. I'd be shaking from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I'd come into the house and my mother would say, What's wrong with you? No, I didn't do anything. I didn't go out in the world. I didn't smoke a cigarette. I didn't drink any alcohol. I didn't take any dope. But my heart wasn't right with God and I knew it. Consequently, I wasn't happy in church and I wasn't happy when I wasn't in church. One Saturday night, I came to the house of God. It was a Saturday night men's prayer meeting. I don't even know why I went. I had no intention to pray. I didn't feel like praying. My friends were all gone, and my flesh wanted to go. And I came in the back door, and the lights were turned down low. 
You could hardly see. I stood in the back hallway and let my eyes adjust to the dim light. And I watched those men. Some were kneeling in the pews praying. Others were walking around praying. Others were standing along the walls. Some were leaping, jumping up and down praying. And I stood there and observed that scene. And you can believe it if you don't, if you want to or not, if you don't want to. But suddenly, that became the most beautiful sight I have ever seen. I went and I crawled under the back pew which was up against a veneer brick wall that was about this high that was just to separate the pew section from the back aisle, the back corridor. I crawled up under that pew. I didn't want anybody to see me. I wasn't trying to put on a show. I crawled up under that pew and buried my face against the carpet and against the brick wall. And I began to cry. And I began to call out to God. And I wish I could tell you that I felt God right away, but I didn't. I didn't feel God the first half hour. And I didn't feel God the second half hour. And I didn't feel God the third half hour. I was under there an hour and a half, Brother Filmer. And I couldn't feel anything. I was crying. There was a knot so big in my throat, I could hardly talk. And I was begging God to listen to me. Finally, suddenly, about an hour and 45 minutes to two hours into my prayer, I felt that warm oil. Brother, I felt it. You hear me? Some of you are looking at me. You don't know what I'm talking about. I felt it. It felt like warm oil just flowing over me. I felt like... The arms of God wrapped around my soul. I began to weep in earnest and speak in tongues at the top of my voice. I don't know how much longer I did that, but when I finally found my voice, I said, God, if you won't take this Holy Ghost away from me, I promise you I will serve you the rest of my life. I wasn't trying to put on. Nobody was praying with me. Nobody, as far as I knew, even knew that I was there. And I was amazed when I crawled out from under that pew way over two hours after I crawled under it to find that everybody was gone. The room was empty except for one man. And that was my pastor. And Brother Spell was sitting a few pews away waiting for me to get up. And I crawled out from under that pew and my hair was a mess and I was covered with tears and snot and my shirt tails were out and I was sweating from head to foot. Amen. But I came out from under that pew with a smile on my face. I looked at him. He looked at me. We both smiled. I walked toward him, put my arms around him. I don't recall that he said a word to me. He didn't have to. He knew what had just happened. And I knew what had just happened. That was on Saturday night. When I came to church on Sunday, it was all different, brother. The songs I had sung all my life 
suddenly sounded way different than I had ever heard them. Suddenly the preaching that I had heard all my life, it hit me different than it ever hit me before. Suddenly I was on the edge of my seat, rocking back and forth, eating up every word of it. When the altar call was made, I didn't have anything to repent about. I'd already repented of everything I could think of. But I was in that altar. I just wanted to be there. It was altogether different. I'm telling you, amen, you're not always going to feel the way you feel right now. There's going to be an afterwards. Stay in church. Stay in church. Stay in church. Someday you're going to realize this is the best thing you could ever have. There isn't a rock concert that can compare. There isn't any drugs made. There isn't any brand of booze. There isn't a cigarette made. There is no form of entertainment. There's nothing Hollywood puts out. There is nothing, 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 nothing that can compare to what you've got your hands on right now. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Aren't you a little bit curious to know what God has in store for you? Don't you want to stay around long enough to see it unfold? Don't let a fickle feeling deprive you of it. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight with a spirit like Jacob who said, I might not be entitled to it, but I sure do want it. I sure do want it. He didn't just feel that way about his birthright. He felt that way about Rachel. He was willing to do whatever it took. And later on, amen, he felt that way when there met him, the angel of the Lord, and wrestled with him all night long. And his words were, I will not let you go until you bless me. And that's what made God say later on, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Which one are you tonight? Are you an Esau or are you a Jacob? Can you come down to this altar tonight and say, God, sanctify my feelings. Sanctify my emotions. And if I'm thinking crazy thoughts, straighten it all out. Sort it all out. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to lose what I've got. I want to serve you. I want to love you more than anything in my life. Come on, come on. Amen. Let's make our way. Let's talk to the Lord sincerely from our heart tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The devil's been playing with your mind. You need to talk to God tonight. You say, God, help me. Help me, help me, help me. Help me to hold on till I don't feel this way anymore. Help me to hold on till this emotion passes, till this desire goes away. Take these inordinate affections out of my heart. Take the lust out of my soul. Give me clean heart and a clean mind and clean thoughts. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, they're fickle feelings. 
They're fickle feelings. There's got to be an afterward. Oh, hallelujah. God's given you a golden opportunity to have a family in church, to raise up sons and daughters in the house of God, to have the best life imaginable. Amen. Don't forfeit that glorious opportunity for a fickle feeling tonight. Come on, adults. Amen. If you can, gather in as close as you can. Pray for these young men, these young ladies. Can you do it? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. was a teenager one day. He knows. He understands. Turn it over to him. Turn it over to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, why don't you ask him tonight? Lord, give me the husband you want me to have. Give me the wife you want me to have. Give me the future you want me to have. Don't let me jump the gun. Don't let me get in a hurry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 